Chapter One Disappeared, the Earl repeated, in a dangerously quiet voice. What the devil do you mean, disappeared? Seven-year-old girls don't just vanish. The thin governess trembled. She had never heard quite that tone from her employer before, and would have preferred that he shout at her, for his suppressed fury was far more terrifying. Edward Trevelyan, seventh Earl of Hartley, was an extremely handsome man, whose warm brown eyes had often set Miss Carter's forty-year-old heart aflutter. But at the moment, the brown eyes glittered down at her with barely contained rage, and though his voice was low, the temper he so carefully controlled showed in his long fingers, which now, as he questioned her, were angrily raking the thick, dark curls at his forehead. Stammering and tearful, Miss Carter tried to explain. She'd taken Lucy to the circulating library. They'd then decided to see if they could find a ribbon to match Lucy's newest and favourite dress. Miss Carter had stopped only a moment to admire the cut of Lady Delmont's pelisse as that grand and rather scandalous personage entered the shop across the street. Apparently the governess had let go of Lucy's hand. Not that she actually remembered letting go. She was so sure she hadn't. But she must have. For when she looked down beside her, Lucy was gone. She had searched all the nearby shops to no avail. Turning away from the governess in disgust, Lord Hartley began snapping orders to his household. He dispatched a dozen servants to comb the streets, then called for his carriage, his hat, and his cane. When the door finally closed behind him, the remaining inhabitants commenced to whispering among themselves, all but Miss Carter, who, teary-eyed and red-faced, scurried to her room. It served him right, he thought, as the carriage made its way down the street. This was what came of being so hasty as to hire a governess for his young ward. Yet Miss Carter had not seemed the least bit flighty, and she had come highly recommended. Even Aunt Clem had agreed with his choice of governess for Lucy. Well, actually, she had said, I suppose she'll do, but it won't do, you know, Edward. Whatever it was. Clem had a tendency to fix you with her eye in that all-knowing way of hers, and then utter cryptic pronouncements in the tone of a sibyl. Life certainly had changed when one must go to Aunt Clementina for advice, he thought ruefully. There was a time when he'd made his way across the continent, close to Napoleon's forces, in search of information which would save English lives. But twice he'd endangered his own. He would be dead now, if it hadn't been for Robert Warriner. Instead, it was Robert who was gone. News of his death had been delivered a month ago by the housekeeper's husband, along with a letter and a seven-year-old girl. The letter was short, and he had read it often enough to know it by heart, especially the closing lines. It is rather a great favour, I ask, my friend, but the doctors have no hope for me, and Lucy will be left alone in the world. Our housekeeper and her husband have offered to take her in, but they are hard-pressed to care for themselves, and I cannot place such a burden on them. For old time's sake, then, will you watch over my daughter as though she were your own? Watch over her, and now the child was lost in the middle of a busy and dangerous city. Oh, Robert, forgive me, he thought. Mademoiselle Latham, you must trust me. I do not cut the gowns simply à la mode. I cut pour la femme. But see, how can you judge? Nudging her recalcitrant customer along to the dressing room, 
Madame Bernice continued in that sing-song of hers. First you must try it on, and then we shall see what we shall see. Although she obediently followed the modiste into the dressing-room, everything within Isabella cried out for escape, and she had the mad urge to dash back out of the room, the shop, and London altogether, back to Westford, and the home she and her widowed mother had made with quiet, sensible Uncle Henry Latham. Life in Westford might be dull at times, and Aunt Pamela's social climbing a source of embarrassment, but there, at least, Isabella was not the object of constant scrutiny and speculation. Why, Lady Delmont had stared at her quite rudely, and for no other reason than that Isabella was Maria Latham's daughter. Well, let her stare. Mamma may have disgusted her family by marrying Matthew Latham, a mere sit, but she was Viscount Belcombe's sister nonetheless, and unlike her brother Thomas, Maria Latham was quite plump in the pocket.' 